Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, episode 118. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. Of course, we are joined by Dan LaMagna, has all the Lakers gear on. What's going on, Dan? I'm pumped, man. We, you know, Lakers lost the first game, but tonight they're back. I think last year, Dynasty Theory, I was wearing the, you know, the, the Lakers mojo, and it was good luck. So we were trying to bring that back tonight. But quick story to open up. I couldn't wait to see you guys. And this ties a little more to our, our uh, you know, Lions fan over there, Mr. Sorensen. So I'm at work this week, and the president of our college calls me up. And, you know, when the big boss calls you up, you're like, okay, where, where's this going? You know, she has some crazy assignment for me. And and I joke, our president's like Steve Jobs. She, um, you know, she has these crazy ideas, and you're like, oh, my God, do we really got to do this? And then the next thing you know, it's like it panned out like the, the iPhone. So she calls me up. She says, hey, Dan, could you come here? I want to just share something with you. So I go to the office. And she goes on to tell me this story. And, you know, maybe she listens to Dynasty Theory and she knows, you know, a big football fan. But she goes, I sent a letter to the Detroit Lions owner, Sheila Ford Hamp there, who, you know, didn't just inherit the Lions. Like, I guess, earned that position is my understanding, Mitch. And just complimented her on the signing of Jared Goff and the, the direction that the Lions are going and, um, you know, being a female owner and she's a, our first female president at the college and Sheila took the liberty to write back. So she showed me the letterhead there, the Detroit lions letterhead handwritten note complimenting our president and, you know, all pumped for the Lions season. So I just want to share that Mitch. There was a little Detroit lions flair at work this week. I like that. Like maybe I should write a letter and be like, Hey, can we maybe have one winning season in the next I don't know, 50 years. That would be nice. Like maybe <laughs> if I could die with the Lions having three winning seasons in my lifetime, that would be a good thing. So you, I've, I've given you a lead now, an opening to, to, like to write a letter. Well, Dan, you have to use that in and maybe we get some special guests here on Dynasty Theory coming up. I don't know. So maybe like front it. office folks over there in Detroit. We're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DynoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's going on? I'm fresh off a DK Metcalf trade. I'm very happy about it. I was able to get DK Metcalf pretty much for Julio and David Montgomery. I mean, there is no better way to start off a podcast than getting that trade done. You're like, all right, I can do this. Well, you also threw a Nico Collins. Let's not forget about Nico. I, I, that's why I said pretty much. I mean, Nico is going to be a stud there in Houston. So, yeah. Mills is going to throw at least for 100, 150 yards this whole season. Well, since you included Julio Jones in that trade, this kind of works out perfectly. Perfect, right? We, I would like to think that you made that trade with tonight's show in mind. Solely so we'll, because of this show. Yes. So Julio Jones, we all know the speculation, the, the thoughts that he's going to be traded. Is it going to be, is it going to happen after, what is it? June 1st, whenever the cap, the cap hit would be greatly, significantly lower than it is today. So Mitch, because you made the trade involving Julio Jones, mm -hmm. let's talk about this Julio Jones potential trade. What do you think happens with this? How does it play out from a Julio perspective? From the Julio perspective, I think if he gets moved, I think everyone kind of knows the teams. It's like Tennessee, 
Patriots. The Colts are always mentioned because they're the team with the cap room to make it work. But honestly, in Dynasty, you have to try to move them if you can. If you get any sort of sell window, you have to take to this point because this is the last chance. These next, this month, next two months, if he goes on a team to where he can be like, hey, he's going to get another 130 targets, 140 targets on this team. That's when you have to move him, I think. Otherwise, you just have to be okay with him doing the AJ Green tour of him just slowly declining, declining, and then like Larry Fitzgerald, nobody wants him at that point. As long as it is a decent offense, and it's kind of what you talked about, Mitch, if a cell window presents itself, you have to pounce and take that opportunity. Here's what's crazy to me. You see a lot of people saying, well, maybe the Colts, you know, a, a great landing spot. Is there a better fantasy landing spot than the one he's currently in? Nope. No. And it was kind of the talk with Austin Hooper when he went to Cleveland. It the 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 most beneficial spot for him from a fantasy perspective, it certainly was Atlanta, but you look at the other options, it's like, okay, Cleveland isn't the worst spot. So we're hoping that it's just something decent if he in fact is out of Atlanta. Dan Looking at the rest of this offense, obviously the man behind me, the jersey behind me, Calvin Ridley, he is the most prominent player on that team um, in the receiving core. Yes, Kyle Pitts is there, but what is his exact role going to be? I see a lot of people saying he's going to be out wide more often than lined up as an actual tight end. But anyway, so Calvin Ridley and the rest of the receiving core, how does this impact them? Yeah, I think that's where the the most impact is. You guys summed it up where there's probably there's not a better landing spot for Julio. You know, there just isn't. Uh, but it impacts the quarterback he's going to go to. That per that player is going to be better, whoever that may be. And in Atlanta, it's to me, it solidifies Calvin Ridley as a wide receiver. One, we love Calvin Ridley as he as it is. That's why he's right behind John Bauer there. Uh, you know, prevalent in a lot of John's fantasy teams. So we love Ridley. But then it to me, I think it does give Kyle Pitts a little bit of a confidence boost I mean I don't know his stock can't get probably much higher with with all the hype but you know I think where it helps is Russell Gage maybe becomes a little more relevant you know I'll at least talk about him as a deep deep roster stash but I did notice in our 16 team league that John Bauer late in the draft took a flyer on Hayden Hurst and it just makes me think that you know Pitts is the tight end but just like John and Hunter Henry Boy, is that tough to defend like it is in New England where one's going to be kind of lined up in the slot or kind of a wing position and one will be on the ball. And Hayden Hurst just came alive just a little bit. So that's encouraging. I was actually thinking the same thing. I think this could potentially benefit him the most. Whenever we saw you look at the splits, and again, it's a small sample size looking strictly at 2020, there was a minimal overall difference in his fantasy points per game with him without Julio. But for Hayden Hurst, there was more touchdown upside in the red zone. And I think that's something, uh, you know, obviously all the targets not necessarily going to Julio. He certainly had his touchdown troubles over the years. But Hayden Hurst, I think he does come alive a little bit because now if you can move Kyle Pitts out, and that's not to say that was, wasn't the plan all along, but if that is more likely, I do think Hayden Hurst in a tight end premium league, at the point you're getting him, at what? 200th player off the board maybe somewhere like that why not and mitch what, what are your thoughts there you know looking at the rest of this wide receiver core before i kind of dive into the the numbers a little bit more 
You're good. So on Calvin Ridley, I actually have some numbers for Calvin Ridley. Ooh. So Calvin Ridley with Julio off the field, he saw more targets. He actually had three more points per game averaged. It came out to like wide receiver four, you know, if you put that over the whole season, just points per game wise. And so for me, that told me that having Calvin Ridley in the top eight wide receivers is more than fair. And I actually think if Julio gets moved and let's just say Julio goes to the Patriots or whatever, I think Calvin Ridley will have a better fantasy season than what AJ Brown will have. I know that's there. There's going to be a fair amount of pushback on that on Twitter, but yeah, as a better quarterback, I actually think the offense as a whole is a little bit better in Atlanta than what you have in Tennessee. And you get the dome games and the dome games for a wide receiver help out just a little bit more. I think people might challenge you, not on the oh, Ridley. I know they will. Not on the Ridley. I, I think both of them okay. could very well be top six wide receivers. I think if, if you have the privilege of having both of them on your roster, you're in great shape. But the fact that you said at this point in his career, Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Yes. I I think you could get some pushback there at this time. I'm sure I can because people hate like... So I'm about Matt Ryan's age, right? So I understand the hate that comes when you're 38, 39 years old. You know, the young guys like John who are still 32, 33. I'm 34. Well, close enough, Just right? Because I can't grow it's a any- world of difference in Dynasty, man. Uh, my 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 shave update, real quick. I don't think I've shaved in four or five days. That's impressive, man. So while I'm 34, I grow facial hair like my son, who's two years old, apparently. Wait, so Mitch, are you done here? You're done talking about Tannehill or? But well, you're the one that brought it back to Tannehill. All I was saying is like Calvin Ridley. I think even if Julio was there, you should have him that high. He's kind of the forgotten guy with Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. And we talk about these younger guys. I know Julio's a little bit older. He's like the age of Amari, but he's proved it on the field with Julio out. He's actually better than with Julio in. And so I think if you could go out and get Calvin Ridley right now, especially the next week that you have before Julio gets moved, those are the trades that you should be making. To talk more about the splits, you said about three points per game more, three targets more per game with Julio out, two receptions more, 33 yards more. Touchdowns came out a little bit just because I think you're not seeing the Falcons move the ball as much, but the 21% target share goes up to 31%. So I saw a lot of, and this is a narrative-based episode. Last week, if you didn't tune in last week, go check it out. We talked about running back narratives. We got some really good feedback because it's a lot of conversations that people are having. And tonight with the wide receiver narratives, the narrative that I've seen floating around with Calvin Ridley, well, guys, maybe he's going to be like Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe the wide receiver one is going to leave and he's going to struggle. And it's like the numbers are there. That, that, I say that at least once an episode. Look at the numbers, guys. Damn, look at the numbers. And I'm sure if you look at the film, that, that's pretty good, too. It's a win-win across the board there. No concerns. I, I give Atlanta a lot of credit. I think they've got a really good plan right now. Hey, if you could you know, reap some value for Julio, who's, again, only going to be around so many years, especially at elite level, and we've seen some injuries starting to creep in. They know what they have with Ridley. They got a number one. You intentionally draft Kyle Pitts, who's – the greatest tight end prospect uh, that's that's been around. Uh, I call him the next Shannon Sharp. And I really do believe they they like Russell Gage. They like Hayden Hurst. They know they have other complimentary pieces that, that are very good. So I think they're going in a good direction here. It's weird with Russell Gage because you would think Julio out of the lineup, he would see a little bit of an uptick. 
it was almost exactly the same. Looking at his splits, da, 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 da. thought I put it in here. I guess not. Um, but a relatively minimal difference in targets, yards, points per game. So Russell Gage, yeah, if you have him, you're, you're late in a startup draft. You're looking at wide receiver eighty. Sure, take Russell Gage. Yeah. That's not going to hurt you at all. And you know, you definitely could see some flex production on bye weeks if you face some injuries if you're in a deeper league but i don't think he's going to be the main beneficiary i think it is going to be calvin ridley and i mean kyle pitts sure but we don't really know what to expect because we didn't see anything last year with and without julio but then i do think we see that slight uptick with hayden hurst do you guys any concern across the board for your super flex shares of matt ryan no i don't think it changes it too much to be honest I mean, I'm not going to drop him in my rankings if Julio leaves. He's just kind of stuck where he is. Is like quarterback, what? Probably 14 through 18. And he's just kind of there. I'm not going to drop him below the elder statesman like Ben Roethlisberger. And so you're just kind of, if you have him, you got to just know he's going to play and he's probably going to go to some other team next year or the year after that. But yeah, I'm all about Matt Ryan still. I was going to say that 18 to 20 range. I, I mean, yeah. if you have them on your team, you throw them in the super flex spot. You feel okay about it. But there was a little bit of a two, three point drop per game looking at it last year. But, you know, you, it's difficult just to look directly. Hey, here's the splits with and without Julio because there are other factors at play. That's not the only one across the board. So anything else here on Julio Jones, the, the receiving options? I mean, maybe this could open things up more for for a player like Mike Davis getting more, you know, incorporated into the passing game. Yes, please. Are you, are you on the Mike Davis train this year? I, I have a lot of Mike Davis shares, man. <laughs> I got him last year. And so they're just kind of still on my team. And then he ends up slipping so far in startup still that you get him in like the eighth to ninth round. And by that you point, think that's slipping. I think that's still early. I don't think it's early. If you can get him. a starting running back right now in the eighth round, they only last for a year anyways. Yeah, I see it kind of as that one-year rental. Yeah. I mean, it's like taking the Fitzpatrick. I just saw Fitzpatrick in a startup go before Jared Goff. And while they both both might be one-year rentals, I I, uh, I don't know. That's I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm with you, John. As much as I like Mike Davis, sorry, Mitch, I'm on the train, but I'd rather someone else take him at that point before me. And I've been seeing, you know, hey, let me find my way to Miles Gaskin, Zach Moss, Leonard Fournette. And a couple rounds later, value potentially whoever slides, um, younger, just as talented. So I uh, really quick, just to recap the last fifteen minutes into one blurb, really quick, really quick, really quick. And I think we can all agree. I know Mitch, you said it, but if a decent opportunity presents itself to move on from Julio Jones, yep. at least throw feelers out. And you know, I, I don't think it necessarily the time to acquire just because we always see that little bit of hype whenever a player goes into a new situation. All right. So moving along a few wide receiver narratives that have been coming up, not just this off season, but maybe previously, but we're going to spend some time talking about them tonight. The first one, he's not even on my wall anymore. This is how upset I am. I have him sitting in the corner. Devonte Adams. Wow. The Devonte Adams guys, he's going to be in trouble. If Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer, Dan, 
Are you buying or selling that narrative? I mean, all we know now is I, I think we have a feeling he may not return to Green Bay. And Jordan Love looked bad in camp last year. So I, I think it's hard to not be naturally concerned and, and buy that narrative. So, ah, man, you know, I still think Devontae's going to be fine. You know, maybe not as much as the next receiver we're going to get to, but I'm concerned, JB. I'm concerned for where he should be. You know, he's elite top five wide receiver, and I just can't draft him there because of all the uncertainty. Can I ask you, though, Dan, even if we knew Aaron Rodgers was going back to Green Bay, is there enough there looking at it with our dynasty glasses on the age primarily that we could drop him a little bit? Mitch is already making faces. I mean, if Rodgers is there and life is all hunky-dory in Green Bay, after Tyreek Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, probably A.J. Brown, at that point I say, you know what, he's just too good to pass up. So give me the who I believe is the elite young guy, and then he's got enough years in him to for me to feel confident. Mitch? If, if Rodgers is there, Devontae Adams is still my wide receiver one, without a doubt. If Rodgers leaves... I actually do think he's a little bit in trouble just from the standpoint of where Devontae Adams is now. I think people will drop him down to the Michael Thomas range. And we've kind of seen Michael Thomas is just kind of stuck on teams right now because the owners that have him still really like him think, hey, if Winston starts, he could get another 140 targets. Sorry to skip ahead there. But I, I was going to yell at you, but I just know. keep going. I know. But to come back, that's kind of going to be the range he goes to, to where like startups, he's a fourth or fifth round wide receiver instead of going, you know, in the upper third, if Rogers is there. And so for me, I actually do buy into the narrative that his dynasty value is in trouble. If Rogers leaves just because it's going to drop and it's going to drop below probably CD lamb, Jefferson, Ridley Brown Diggs. And then you're kind of in that little no man's land there of kind of the older wide receivers that you're never going to get that value back again. I am, if Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer when it's all said and done, and we enter the 2021 season with Jordan Love or somebody else at quarterback, I think I might go out there and attempt to acquire Devontae Adams because most people are going to drop him mm -hmm. in their overall values but you look back and unfortunately had to go back to 2017 for this to get even a relatively decent sample size eight games i don't know if you can call that decent but brett hunley was the quarterback in green bay when aaron Rodgers was injured eight games still 17 ppr points per game still a 28 percent target share the receiving yards came down a little bit. Touchdowns came down a little bit, but the targets are still there. He's still going to demand that target share. So give me that at the wide receiver 10 to 12 range. And I, I will be looking to acquire. And like you said, Mitch, I think if, if that's the case, you'll be getting Devonte Adams, in like the fifth round of startups. Yep. And I don't know if I can pass on that. I, I still 17 PPR points per game. It's just, we're used to such a higher ceiling and every week we know Devonte Adams is going to score a touchdown. We know he's going to get a hundred yards. We just know. Um, but that's my thought. I don't, Dan, no, let, let me say, would you be looking to, I, I know I already 
bounced it over to you about Devontae Adams, but would you be interested in acquiring him if Jordan Love took over with all the question marks, not knowing what to expect? Or is that just, if I don't have him on my roster, I'm going to sit back? More likely than not sitting back. You know, I mean, I'll give you Julio and a draft pick for him, John. <laughs> but what's that draft pick look like? Second round pick? I'd ride it out with Devontae. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? So so I probably won't be, you know, acquiring him for those reasons. There's definitely just without Aaron Rodgers, even though, you know, I think Green Bay really like Jordan Love. I'm still struggling rapping. I, I need to see something from Jordan Love. Otherwise, I see them trading for a quarterback. Yeah, this is just last year we thought there was so much uncertainty across the quarterback landscape and just the NFL in general with COVID and not knowing things. And now it's like, not only is it happening again, but it's high profile players for one reason or another, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and what's the quarterback situation going to be like in new Orleans. So the next player we're going to touch on Michael Thomas and Mitch, you already talked about it a little bit. So, there could potentially be a value spike if Jameis Winston is named the starter. That's kind of the growing sentiment. But right now, Michael Thomas, and we had a fairly heated debate with some of the guys over in our Discord chat earlier today. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a debate involving me, and I think a lot of people were just kicking back and watching the, the fireworks. But it, it was a good, healthy debate. And it was basically Michael Thomas or Terry McLaurin from a dynasty perspective. And... It's like, okay, the production versus the dynasty value, the window to sell and acquire and all that good stuff. But there's a concern that if Taysom Hill's the quarterback, his value and his production are going to plummet. So, Dan, are you buying or selling, one, a value spike if Jameis Winston's the quarterback, and two, a production hit? if Taysom Hill's the quarterback. So there's a lot to digest there. You're asking the hard questions tonight, JB, the hard questions here. Uh, to me, I'm a little bit indifferent. And I'm, I'm, man, I, I'm struggling to find that conviction week to week, whether I think it's going to be Jameis Winston or, or, or Taysom Hill. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in my head now talking myself into Taysom Hill this week. Um, you know, I just think I have a little bit more belief in Sean Payton. I think without Drew Brees stealing snaps, I mean, you look at whether it's Hill or Winston, they weren't getting snaps a year ago. You you know, Drew Brees had to get all his work in. Yeah, it's a little bit of a ding on Michael Thomas not having Drew Brees, but I do believe in Sean Payton. I do think there's still talent at the quarterback. Um, It's just a matter – like, because even if it's Winston who – like, I think we have this visual that he's going to sling it around the yard and there's a spike because it's going to be like Tampa Bay – I don't think it's going to be that way in New Orleans. I just don't think that's Sean Payton's mojo to just throw the ball around the yard and expose Winston to the same old Jameis Winston story. I think if he goes with Jameis Winston, he believes Winston's ready to take over that job. And I think you still see Taysom Hill sprinkled in there. He's just part of what they do. And um, But I think there's also a chance that Taysom Hill could take that job and is a little bit better thrower than we give him credit for. He can move that offense and he'll get all the snaps right now and – I think Michael Thomas is a stud in a, a very, very good New Orleans offense, and he's healthy this year. He certainly did go through a few injuries, but playing seven games last season. So, Mitch, I want to frame this a different way for you. All right. Looking at it from a market perspective, Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston is named the starting quarterback week one. Do you hold Thomas or do you look to move him? 
do you think the value you get in return outweighs his eventual production? So honestly, I'm trying to get Michael Thomas everywhere. So no, if Jameis is going to be the starter, I already want to have Michael Thomas on my team. The big reason for that is I do really believe that Winston is going to be the starter. And even if he's not like Dan brought up, they still kind of have Michael Thomas and nothing. I mean, we're kind of hoping Troutman turns into a thing because who else do they have on that team outside of Kamara? And if Taysom's the starter, we've already seen Kamara, like he doesn't get receptions. And so you would have to think a lot of those end up going to Michael Thomas. And so in my mind, Michael Thomas is a huge buy this off season and you should buy him now before whoever is named the starter. And you, you're kind of going to take the risk that Taysom gets named the starter and his price drops a little bit. But I personally think that's already baked into the price. That I'm, I'm smiling because I don't disagree with you mm-hmm. at all. But I'm thinking it, there is that risk that you have to take. And it might only be a small, like, 5% value difference. But it's like, do I wait now? Because I think Taysom Hill will be the starter. And people will drip, dri- dripe drop his price i'm con- combining words like over it. here i'm thinking about michael thomas and i'm getting so excited over here so i think they drop his price and that's when i look to acquire but then if i think Jameis is going to be named the starter i do think there is that spike in value oh yeah so you want to acquire now so it's like Jameis, 10 to 15 percent spike in value Taysom, five percent drop in value because just like you said his price is dropping because people think there's a good chance Taysom's mm-hmm. going to be the quarterback. But last year in four games, again, a massive sample size, four games, 36% target share with Taysom Hill. Oh, 36%. And, people, and guys, Drew Brees of 2020 is not the Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees. Michael Thomas played very well from a fantasy perspective with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Same with Teddy Bridgewater two years ago. So we've seen Michael Thomas flourish outside of Drew Brees. Most air yards per target in 2020, when you look at it compared to 2018, 2019, he went from 7.1 to 7.7 to 8.9. And that wasn't because of Drew Brees. So I I, I think I'm not a big Taysom Hill fan. And I've, I've made jokes and knocked and, you know, oh, we're going to get seven passing attempts per game. But I think the situation is much better than people want to think. So Dan, I want to ask you a question because a f- was two weeks ago in the discord. I said that I say a few weeks ago, days are just blending together. It was like three days ago now that I think of it, but I said anywhere I have like a top 10 wide receiver dynasty wise, I was going to shop them and look to uh, pivot off of that. One thing, and I, I hope this trade partner is not listening. I know he has listened from time to time. But I was looking to pivot off of Stefan Diggs for Michael Thomas Plus. Is that something you'd be interested in? I would. And I, and I love Diggs. And I love him again with Josh Allen. But his stock is as high as it could be right now. Like If there's a time to sell... It's now if you could get enough. So if you were coming to me with Michael Thomas and a first, I'm listening. Michael Thomas and, you know, 
David Montgomery, maybe per your the spirit of your trade tonight, Mitch. Hey, I need a starting running back. I could get a starting running back and still come out with an elite receiver. Uh, I'm definitely listening. Again, Michael Thomas, man, Sean Payton, he could get you open, John Bauer. We're going to need good protection on that play from the line, but, but, <laughs> but he could scheme you open. So he's going to scheme Mike Thomas open, and our listeners just want to get that visual they have at the end of last year with Michael Thomas. You know, that last game with Drew Brees, he admitted he was playing hurt. He just wanted to finish that one last game because he knew Drew was going to be hanging it up. So, you, again, he's healthy, great offense. Uh, I think he could be a gem this year. If you're going to send me out on a route – the protection better be the best protection we've ever seen because it's going to take a while for that play to develop. It might take a couple minutes, honestly. For <laughs> John Payton to- can do it, man. All right. All right. Uh, Mitch, I, I was trying to pay attention to your reaction whenever I threw it out there. But, yeah. Uh, a higher-end wide receiver, not necessarily Diggs. That was just in this situation. Would you look to make a, a move like that, pivot down from a Jefferson A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, who their value is sky high for Michael Thomas plus. And again, that plus is going to be different for all of these wide receivers. But yeah, that's the issue is like, what is the plus going to be? Is the plus going to be a early second draft pick that no one probably going to keep the wide receiver? But if I could get like Dan brought up, say you get Mike Davis on that deal or just that one piece that you really think this competing, because you're going to have to have a competing team in order to make that deal because you're not making that deal on a rebuild. So you have a team that's going to make the playoffs. You get some solid depth in your running back or maybe a tight end in two tight end premium leagues. Maybe I do it then, but more than likely, I'm probably just keeping the younger guy. The way I was framing it in leagues, because I did throw some feelers out for Michael Thomas in multiple leagues, it wasn't just... Michael Thomas in a pick for wide receiver five or whatever. I was looking to upgrade another position. So maybe like Austin Hooper swap for Noah Fant or something like that. But, you know, so as of now, no luck. I think I'm still waiting on a few responses. We'll see how it goes. But that's, that's our thoughts overall on Michael Thomas. The situation might not be nearly as bad as people are making it out to be. And we've seen his price drop significantly throughout the off season in startups and in existing leagues. There is a very crowded wide receiver core now in Cincinnati. You're going to hear it for the next four months. Too many mouths to feed too many. We, we too many. And we have drew sample. Who's going to demand 15 targets a game. So what do you do then? It's Uzuma. Uzuma's going to come back and he's going to be a stud and everyone's forgetting about him in drafts. Just so you know, sorry, sorry. Um, I cannot make the comment I was going to because I'm in the middle of a draft with somebody on this podcast, and I'm not not going to say. I'm going to draft him later. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Anyway, so fade Higgins, fade Boyd. That's what people are saying. Just because the miles to feed, the you know uh, Jamar Chase being drafted, the poor offensive line play joe burrow coming back from the injury dan you kind of made a face and i could feel it i could feel it through the screen here but i don't think you're buying that narrative Uh, the the face is that tight end position in cincinnati i want nothing to do with that tight end situation in cincinnati whatsoever They're, they're just buried down my rankings but, um, you know, I think the F word's too strong here. Fade, I, there's no way I'm fading any wide receiver in that offense. I love that Cincinnati offense this year. 
Uh, it's definitely one of them that I think is on the rise. Now, would, can, I, uh, can I safely say bump down a little bit? Yeah, I did bump them down a little bit in my rankings because I think Chase is going to be the man. I think he's going to be the number one alpha wide receiver there. But I think it's a similar situation to the Dallas Cowboys with Cooper and Lamb and Gallup. You just got to determine who's who and how that's going to play out. But Joe Burrow will be slinging it. They still need to score points. And uh, no fade here, but a small bump down. Mitch, I am of the belief that Tyler Boyd is not going to be as negatively impacted here as many think. And I'm seeing, and it, again, it always turns into expected production versus the cost to acquire um, or what you're receiving whenever you move the player. And I'm seeing Boyd slip. I, I have to look exactly where it was, but it was probably wide receiver 40 range in the most recent startup I'm in. So what are your thoughts here on those two receivers? Because we're seeing a dip for both of them in startups. Right. So in my view, I think we have to look at everything in an offense in order to understand it. Um, the Bengals run the most 11 personnel in the league at 78, 76% of snaps. That means that there's going to be a slot wide receiver 76% of the time. And Boyd ran out of it 82% of the time. So his position isn't changing. The way they drop those plays isn't changing. Like if he's the first option, he's going to continue to be the first option, whether Chase is there, whether Devontae Adams is there. I don't think it changes for Boyd at all. I would actually be shocked if his targets end up going down. I think they're going to be right about the exact same. I do worry. My only worry with Higgins is there was a lot of people who had him in the top 12 to top 15 of dynasty wide receivers. And I just can't see at this point because yeah, put Chase in that top 15 now. And I have a hard time putting Higgins even in the top 20, top 24, which is a huge drop from where he was two months ago. Yeah. And if I, JB, if I just add to that, and I think Mitch is right on. I'm looking at a PPR scoring in one of our dynasty leagues based on last year. And Tyler Boyd was 29th while Cole Beasley was 27th. And he's kind of like a young Cole Beasley to me. You know, you got Diggs who was, you know, Higgins was the kind of developing number one guy. And you're always going to have Tyler Boyd in those slot matchups that are so sweet. And he's going to get open and he's going to get peppered as targets. And he's only going to get better. He's 26. So it's, I think both of your points, you know, I think Boyd just going to still find that sweet spot. Higgins probably does take the biggest dip because Chase is going to be the guy. But so, so I think Higgins is going to have a, like a really good season, but you're going to have those couple weeks here and there that he kind of doesn't give you that wide receiver one production that you would hope for. For Tyler Boyd, I would think that he would kind of benefit a little bit from the fact they really haven't improved their offensive line. I know Jonah Williams coming back, but for the most part, if there's a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow, sure, we might get some dump offs in the backfield, but Tyler Boyd running those shorter routes, the lower average depth of target, he most likely could be one of the main beneficiaries there. And I think for the most part, the narrative of fading T, uh, T. Higgins, I, I, I'm, I'm buying that. It's hard not to. But again, at what point, you know, I, I saw somebody ask me uh, for, a, you know, thoughts on a trade. And it was T Higgins plus Debo Samuel for Allen Robinson because they were a contender. And I love Allen Robinson, but I'm still sticking with T Higgins and Debo. And in that situation, I was. 
Yeah, Mitch, I, you're thinking about it. I'd go A-Rob. I love A-Rob. He performs no matter who's the like, – I don't care who his quarterback is. They could run out like, I don't know, some old – John Elway at his age right now, and I'd still be like, Allen Robinson's going to be okay. I love the, the this. The, it's not anti Allen Robinson. I th- think it's a little bit more optimism overall for T. Higgins. Is he going to be a wide receiver one this year, next year? Probably not. Most likely not. I would bet against that. And my bets, they always they're always winners. Always. Just a, one last comp to to the Cowboys wide receivers. When we went into last year, those Cowboys receivers, they said their goal was for all three of them to have a, th- a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. They almost did. Gallup had 843, Lamb had 935, and that's with Dak getting hurt after right. you know four games and having all those backups. There are similarities here in Cincinnati, like, like I said, where those guys could push the envelopes and all three of them have nice statistical seasons. It's just a matter of what kind of jump could a young receiver like Higgins have. You know, Maybe, maybe he impresses, has a good offseason, and uh, puts up even better than expected numbers, but it'll be interesting to watch. Mitch, you mentioned the 11 personnel. When you include four or five wide receiver sets, oh, yes, yeah. they went into some five wide receiver yeah. sets. 90% of their passing plays, so I looked just at the passing plays, came out of three, four, or five wide receiver sets. I I would be shocked, barring injury, if Higgins, Boyd, and Chase all did an eclipse on average an 80% uh, snap share. You know, so, so with, with, there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. The only thing is the injury coming back. How's it going to look so far today? There was some positive, some yeah, positive news. He was throwing today. I was shocked at that. So that kind of knocks my whole no off season training out of the park. I didn't think he'd be back this early. So that's amazing to see for Burrow. I saw some things that talking about his footwork, the way mm-hmm. he was planting and all that good stuff. So, so hopefully he's back close to 100% and could really help this offense out. Now, an offense that probably needs a little bit more help, hopefully they can get that from Trevor Lawrence, but in Jacksonville, Dan, we talked about this. I know you like both of these guys, but do you get that sense within the dynasty community and the the Discord chat that people were talking to and the startups were in that that luster, that, that uh, dazzle around – DJ Shark and LaVisca Chenault, it's fading a little bit. I feel like there was so much hype leading up to the draft. Oh, Trevor Lawrence. And now it's like, I don't know that too many people are really hyping them up as much. It does feel like it, doesn't it? And I'm falling into that trap and it's worrying me. I'm like, I'm in my psyche right now. You know, you have Marvin Jones in there. You have all this ETN slot receiver hype that's getting in all of our heads from a standpoint of, okay, hey, if you have Marvin Jones and you have ETN in the slot. Someone's coming off the field. They're not getting the volume. And then we also get that little vibe of what the heck is Urban Meyer doing? <laughs> you, you know, so we're starting to get a little bit nervous there as well. You know, and then there's that whole Urban Meyer wanting Kadarius Tony, And it's just becoming a little bit of a circus. And I want to think that we need to avoid the smoke screen. Although I did trade LaVisca this week. And, and I can't believe I did it. And, and you're good. And part of it's the format. It was a best ball uh, format where there's no free agents during the year. So you, unless you trade, you can't pick any guys up. You know, some of us still have a little dead weight on the roster. So I like cut D.D. Westbrook, who's like, you know, dead in the fantasy world right now. And I got my boy Kadarius Tony, and I got 2-2 Atwell. So it was a two-for-one two, two for one best ball deal. 
where I'm just I'm banking on my boy Tony and I take the upside of the other rookie. I know you're giving me that look, man. And I wouldn't do it in another format, but the best ball scoring, two guys that could take it to the house at any any point. I, I am buying the narrative a little bit. I'm getting a little a little nervous, although I do love the talent of Mr. Shark and LaVisca. So I don't think we should, but that's my rant. All right. So we shouldn't we we shouldn't down downplay like the, the excitement. Is that we, we shouldn't fade them at all? We shouldn't. I'm feeling it like we are or should. And I, I think I fell into the trap a little bit and, and I went after my boy Tony, but I do believe in the, t- the talent of LaVisca. I don't need home spiel again. All right, all right, all right. Don't, buy so, it. don't fall for the smoke screen would be my answer. Don't fall for the smoke screen. So I actually think Shark is an extremely good buy right now. No one's talking about him. And it's kind of just they play in Jacksonville, right? So nobody talks about Jacksonville. It was like when Burrow went to the Bengals last year. No one talked about T. Higgins. I mean, that's just not on the top of everyone's mind. It's... They're just those teams to where if they're playing on a Thursday night, there's a lot of people who won't turn in because they're like, oh, it's Jacksonville. I really don't care to watch them. And so I think it's kind of died down for that reason. Chanel, there is reason to worry. If you look at everything Jacksonville has told us about him, they've tried to replace what we all thought he would be perfect for. So obviously that coaching staff is hesitant to put him in that position. But on the other hand, Shark... They don't have a real wide receiver besides him. I mean, they have Marvin Jones, who I think is really good. But you just kind of wonder, older veteran going to a new team. We've kind of seen that not work out before. And maybe Shark, being in that system, he ends up being the number one. He could be a solid, you know, on your dynasty team if he's your second wide receiver, third wide receiver. I think you're in really good shape there. A few months ago and leading up to the draft, a lot of the conversation was, DJ Shark or LaVisca Chanel in Dynasty. And I think a lot of people might have had it closer to a coin flip and you really couldn't fault people one way or the other. But with everything going on, just like Mitch said, everything this team is telling us what what they try to do in the draft with possibly taking Kadarius Tony, but then taking ETN, you know, yeah, having him go out at wide receiver, but every team's doing that with running backs at this point to see what they can do. But I would say I with confidence, I would take Shark over LaVisca Chenault. And I, I think to an extent, it's kind of like what we hear in Denver. Would you rather have Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? And a lot of people are like, oh, they're so close together. That's what I feel Shark and Chenault were like. And maybe I'm off on this, Dan, because, again, you like both these players. Right now, I say, Dan, you got to take one, Shark or Chenault. Who do you take? <sighs> DJ Shark, based on our conversation. There we go. Okay. Do we do we care about this Ravens question? I put it in the. <laughs> oh, we could. We've talked about this a hundred different times before. I think we're good. All right. So just for the listeners, really quick, the Ravens passing options. How, what do we think overall? We we've talked about it. If DM us and we'll share our thoughts. I don't want to talk about that really. I'll, I'll give one comment, one liner. Until we see the Ravens' pass game evolve, Lamar's got to take some step or get back to that extreme efficiency that the Ravens did because the run game's crushing. I have no interest. Not no interest, but like I'm not overpaying by by any means. Do you think wide rec- like back in wide receiver three, early wide receiver four territory for maybe Bateman and or Marquise Brown is reasonable? Or do you think it's 
one or the other. I think it's if you if Bateman's what he could be, like if we're projecting him out as being that number one, he'd be the guy I'd go after. I, I think Marquise is falling into that wide receiver two slot guy. You know, I, I see him, and then you have Andrews, but it's an offense that there's not a lot of volume. So they've got to be uber efficient like they were a couple years ago when Lamar and that running game was going wild. Of course we were going to skip over this, but now we all have to say something about <laughs> it. Right? But you guys have brought it. The problem is, is there is Bateman now. There's Hollywood now. There's, oh, what's his name out of Oklahoma State? Duvernay. Tylen Wallace. Yeah, Tylen Wallace. And, Tylen and Wallace. Nobody cares about Duvernay. Right. They still have Mark, Mark Andrews. Mark. And they don't throw the ball, so now yeah, it's and they, like, and they just brought in Oliver from Jacksonville. They they had that they, trade, and they have Sammy Watkins. Yeah, it's like who are they going to throw to? And they're already such a low volume offense in the first place that I don't want any of them because maybe one gets you ten points next week, and then next week it turns into kind of like the Chiefs wide receivers after Tyree Kill. You're just hoping to find the one that runs it in for a touchdown. Four hundred six passing attempts in twenty twenty for the entire team even when Lamar Jackson missed time, 440 in 2019. And last year, about 56% target share to the wide receivers as a group, which is about 5% lower than the NFL across the board. So as we said, we didn't want to talk about it. We still talked about it a little bit, but not as in-depth as um, you know we might have. If you guys would read the private chat here on StreamYard, maybe you could have just typed in there and let me know so I didn't have to bring it up, but... You guys oh. don't pay attention. Oh, but but we want to talk about the next one. Of course we do. Why okay. would we want to talk right. about the next question? So the narrative here, what we've been seeing, the Detroit Lions, first off, they're all going to see a 1,000 targets per game in, what's it? Help wanted. <laughs> that, like essentially, it. Dan holding up the help wanted sign. We could send that along to the owner of the Detroit Lions. Maybe that could help them find some wide receivers. But we're going to see plenty of targets for these options in 2021, but then what happens in 2022? That's a concern for this wide receiver core, especially with the fact that Perryman and Cephas. No. Hawkinson. No. Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams. The gazelle. Right. There's the gazelle. How did I forget about the gazelle? Both of them on a one-year deal. I'm just sitting here snapping, snapping, snapping. So, they're going to go another direction and most likely the higher profile wide receiver in 2022. Mitch, you're saying no. Okay. So you tell us lions so, guru, what are they doing? So the question is, will the lions draft a high profile wide receiver in 2022? The answer is going to be no. So the reasoning for me behind this is I think they're going to be a bad team this year, right? They're going to lose a lot of games. They have two first round picks. They're going to have their high pick. That's going to be their own. And they're going to have another pick in the 20 to the 32 range with the Rams, right? That top pick is going to be for a quarterback. You're going to have a very hard time selling me that they're going to be like, no, Jared Goff had another bad year. We're okay with him to draft this wide receiver. So that first pick is going to be a quarterback. And then if you're going to tell me that a wide receiver that's going into late first is a high profile one, okay but I don't think that's really a high profile wide receiver. That's kind of Brad and Ayuk, right? It's a little bit of a lower profile than Henry Ruggs. Just, you know, that kind of guy to where I don't think they're a high profile wide receiver. It's night and day over what they have right now. Wait, really quick. 
Did oh. John Cena just make an appearance on our podcast? I looked over and Dan had his face, his hand like this. <laughs> and I'm like, I, the get up, like, I could kind of see it. I could see it. I mean, uh, you, you typically can't see John Cena, but I can see you right now. <laughs> I needed that laugh there, man. But come on, Mitch, there, there's no one to throw to in Detroit. Even if they get somebody in the low 20s, I mean, that, that's look at the receivers that have went in that range in, in recent years. I, I could buy the argument that if they pick high enough, they go after that franchise quarterback, if it makes sense, you know, at that time. But th- this this wide receiver corpse is getting gutted after this year. I mean, it's Hawkinson and Perryman and, and, and the Gazelle, as much as we want to see the best in them, they can't even stay healthy even, you know, you might get two, three games out of them. And then it's, it's Cephas, Geronimo Allison, Khalid Raymond, Whew, this is this is one of the worst wide receiver corps in the in the NFL. And I Mitch, say corps, you, I mean you said corps. <laughs> yeah, but that's fitting for this team. It really we is. We have the it Detroit is. Lions wide receiver core, but in this sense, it's essentially a corpse. Yeah. Well, My uh, problem is just how do you define the high profile wide receivers? Probably the difference here is like I'm thinking top 20 guy, top 15, amazing wide receiver coming out of college, and I'm like. I don't see the Lions having a pick there without having a trade up and listening to the Brad Holmes interview on the athletic last week. It doesn't sound like he's going to be the guy that's going to be trading up a lot. So then, you know, and one thing, Mitch, you brought this up on last week's show and I told you I was going to look into it. I'm upset that I didn't bring it up until now. We talked about draft capital for wide receivers and you said, does it make a difference depending on where the wide receiver really lines up. If you're outside, if you're in the slot, could we kind of use that to make up for poor draft capital? I said, let me look into it because you know me. I like to pull these these spreadsheets. And I think I had it done by Thursday. You did. But I'm happy that I could bring it up here. Now, this brings the sample size. I'm trying to remember this off of memory. It brings the sample size down significantly. Like, it's really tough to put together any type of correlation here. So more just interesting findings than anything else. But I created the threshold at 50% of your routes coming out of the slot. As long as you hit one of those in your first three seasons, I defined you as a slot receiver for this project. And it actually bumped up the hit rate and that hit rate was one top 24 season. And I think it was DD Westbrook. And who is the other one? There were two of them. So two out of eight, again, a massive sample size, eight players, but it actually bumped it up the hit rate to 25% from like 8%. But again, by no means am I saying you're a fourth round receiver and that's what this was looking at up to up to the fifth round. But so fourth round wide receiver, I'm not saying you're gonna have a 25% hit rate because you play out of the slot. So please do not take it that way. Mitch is like, no, no, that's what you're yeah, saying. Unless you're saying Brown and then it's not even 25%. It's at least 26. Yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting because there was that little bit of a bump. And it was like, if you slip to the fourth round, typically we say that's bad draft capital for a running back receiver. But if you play out of the slot more often than out wide, it kind of countered that a little bit. But again, I'm not saying that's anything scientific about it. Um, Can can we get one, Mitch? Now Mitch wants to use the private chat. And listen, 
we can't skip the whole last segment because I need to pull it up on the. Oh, you do. Yeah, I forgot yeah. you made that special little thing. My bad. Yeah. My bad. So uh, this could be really quick, Mitch. Give me one wide receiver uh, based on storylines, based on narratives that have either happened or could potentially happen this offseason that you see as a sell. And the example I had here in the notes was if the Saints name Winston, their starting quarterback, it opens up a sell window for Michael Thomas. So one wide receiver, quick 30 second blurb. Why? biggest one is Michael Gallup. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent after the season. And we know the talk that happens. Like, oh, he's going to get a number one job somewhere else. We always see people trying to get in before that value spike happens. So I think that's going to be the narrative all off season going into, you know, the season. So if I have him, I think it's going to be a perfect sell window for him to move him at that point, because I don't think he could be a number one somewhere else. I think he's a very good number two, but I don't see him getting like Kenny Galladay money somewhere else. That's a good one. I can actually buy that narrative because I, I I could see that happening. And then, Dan, you know as well as anybody, people are talking about that Amari Cooper contract. Well, it goes to 2024. He really could be cut after 2021. That's in the back of people's mind. Hey, do you want Michael Gallup? Amari Cooper could be gone. And we're not saying it could happen. We're not saying it will happen. But, well, I guess we, start, we are saying it could happen. But we're not saying it will happen. So, Dan, don't jump in. I know you look like you're going to murder somebody right now. <laughs> you're like, don't talk about my Amari Cooper like that. But, Dan, who's a wide receiver, potential sell candidate based on storylines or narratives throughout this offseason? I think Mitch was a little flashier with his pick. I, if I have to just pick one, I guess for me, it's, I'm just selling completely on the Houston Texans. So, I'm going to say it's Brandon Cooks. He's still considered a wide receiver one. Someone needs a receiver. I'm happy to sell him. I just don't think he has a quarterback that's going to throw to him. If he does have some, you know, Tyrod Taylor throwing to him, he's not going to have enough protection to throw to him. And then if he is getting volume, I think he's going to get injured. You know, he'll get his like ninth concussion. So if you could get something decent for Brandon Cooks, I'm shipping him. Dan, don't bring that up when you try to do trade talks. Like skip the whole last half of that and just offer Brandon Cooks without, you know, the full explanation. <laughs> well, I have a different narrative for if I'm trading him there. You know, I like hey, it. He's going to get a lot of volume. The Texans need someone to throw to. He's still fast. You know, t- take the, the wide receiver one and help yourself this year. I like it. In the chat, Ben says, and this is based on my fourth round slot wide receiver, the up to 25% hit rate with that small sample size he says what i hear is amari rogers is gonna hit the other receiver it wasn't amari rogers there were two that fit the category i'm on ross and brown and do you guys want to say the name it's your boy jalen darden he was the other one he was the other one fourth round uh the expectation is when he does play if he plays but again he's off my radar but again all mitch is hearing is 25% 25% chance he's going to hit. Right. Real quick, I just want to say on the Packers and Amari Rogers thing, I'm fairly certain. I looked this up a month ago, so I could be forgetting wrong. Devontae Adams runs a lot out of the slot. Like he's in the slot a fair enough amount to where there isn't going to be someone that's just going to take over and all of a sudden run 60% out there because Adams runs a fair amount out of there already. Well, I need you to keep rambling here while I pull this up right now. Jalen Darden, once he learns that <laughs> offense, he's going to be better than Scotty Miller in no time. Antonio Brown's already having knee issues. It's, it's true. I wonder how long – Antonio Brown was a guy to where I wanted to buy him. Like, 
from like February to April, I could talk myself into him. And now I'm just like, I could probably drop him on the waivers and I probably wouldn't care too much. He's a filler right now. He's, he's a bi-week guy. You're just getting whatever you could get, whatever's left out of him. Yeah. Man, PFF changed their layout. Oh, yeah. They made it really, really tough to get to anything. Yeah. John, this is, John uh, our listeners don't want you figuring out PFF live on the air here. No, just – well, this will be quick. Uh, Devontae Adams last year talking about the slot percentage, 146 targets total. 57 of them came out of the slot. So, so at least a third. Want, I just want the overall slot percentage. Come on. you got to make this easy for me while I do this research live on the air. All right. Final thoughts. Dan, I didn't cut you off this week, buddy. <laughs> we got to time him down. I didn't cut you off. Episode 118, wrapping up the wide receiver offseason narratives. What do you have for our listeners? The last episode in May. It's going to oh, be June already, guys. That that just rolls right into my final thoughts, man. I am just – these are happy final thoughts tonight. You know, 16-team startups going swimmingly well. Team OTAs on social media. Like we said, we're just waiting to see someone jacked up. We already saw A.J. Dillon's thighs there. They're, they're pumped. He's looking good for this season. <laughs> Underdog best ball is now legal in Pennsylvania, so now we're back to best ball drafts. I ranked – I can't believe I'm saying this. I ranked my kickers for the Scott Fish Bowl already this week. Now it's defense and offensive lines I'll be studying next. And it almost feels like football season, gentlemen. We're only a few months away. I can't believe it's going to be June. And I, I I feel like I say it all the time. It's like this year has been flying. But, I mean, the faster it goes, the quicker football gets yep. here. So, Mitch, what final thought do you have for listeners? All right. Have some, I'm actually going to call out John a little bit here. He doesn't oh, know about this. No. I love but it already. Please update your trade bait. Like I'll go through all of my teams every couple of days and I'll just go through the trade bait, make sure I don't have a trade open and I'll go through the trade bait to make sure, you know, maybe there's a player that I like on there. And then there's always a comment box to add what you want. John is very good at upgrading his trade bait and he has all of his best players on it, but you never know what he's actually looking for. So, so you're just like, well, John has the same thing he always does. So just put in the comment box, Hey, I'm looking for a wide receiver. I'm looking for picks. I want a younger quarterback. It helps so much to get trades done, in my opinion. Not only, and I'm guilty. I laugh as soon as you said, I didn't know you were going to say this, but not only do I not update it, I might have players on there that aren't even on my roster anymore. <laughs> like, Cause it doesn't pull, at least it didn't. I don't know if it, it changed it now. now. It deletes it now. Yeah. Okay. Because before it would keep players on there that you might have traded and you had to, you know, manually pull them off. But um, next week, what do you guys think? Quarterbacks, tight, tight ends. ends. Probably do both, yeah. And then the week after, we could start to talk about a few startups. Yep. We'll all have a few fresh ones under our belt, so we'll get into that. And then Dan and Mitch, these two, I've been driving them crazy because I'm ready to plan the next four months. I'm like, all right, well, we need, to, we need to stretch this one out. Let's try to get two episodes out of this. And then it ends up being five hours long. But anyway, episode 118 in the books, another great one. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Dan is hoping for Lakers win. And if they do, he'll have a great night. <laughs>